Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm Seth Everett, stateside. Uh, over there, uh, vacationing again is uh, the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow. Patrick, London again? Wait, what? Leave something there? You had to go back again? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I purposely left uh, different things around uh, all of the UK just to give me an excuse to continue to come back. Um, no, but hey, listen. Yeah, it's okay. On paper, it's that's vacation. Like, uh, that's like George Costanza. 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 <laughs> that's right. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, we are becoming a more and more digital and remote society. I can travel with multiple laptops like <laughs> I have in front of me. I've got my headset. I've got my HD webcam. HD 1080p. It's listen. I, I I'm a mobile office wherever I go, uh-huh. and uh, so yeah. Exa- hey, listen. It's a lot warmer in the UK than it is in Canada. I took in the FA Cup semifinal this past weekend. Uh, yeah. Listen. I I can be anywhere and still be the great and versatile Pat Morrow. So uh, yeah. This week in the UK. Uh, who knows next week? I told you actually in May I'm heading to Costa Rica. Uh, probably not taking the mobile office to russia anytime soon but uh no not not anytime soon um you know you you mentioned the uh the fa cup that you you went to see and the premier league's heading down the the home stretch and you know what's neat about the premier league for those listeners who uh, don't necessarily follow it you have all these different battles even though there's just one division like it's it's not a east and a west and a this, this and a that it's you have the battle for the top spot which is kind of over, but then you have the battle for the top four. You have the battle for the five, and then you have the battle to avoid relegation. There's still so many important games. Yeah. I mean, you look at the contrast between, um, you know, North American sports and uh, how, how, you know, European football works. And I mean, the NBA down the stretch, you have teams that are you know, outright tanking oh, the, for the draft New Orleans position. Pelicans right? are in the playoffs. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, you have flip oh, side. Oh, like, I see. I see where you're going. The tank. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like the Portland Trailblazers lost so many fourth quarter games down the stretch uh, in fashion that listen, clear situations being down three points with two seconds left. And, you know, they're driving for layups and stuff like that. And then it's not unique to this year. Meanwhile, in the UK, if you're uh, in the bottom three or four, uh, you are fighting to stay in the Premier League, to get uh, you know part of those Premier League contract, to be able to afford to actually uh, pay your players, uh, lest you end up like AFC Richmond and have to struggle like that. I am getting, finally, finally, I think I'm the last person in the world, Seth, to uh, finally get into Ted Lasso. But uh, yeah, it, the, the contrast between the fact that every game really does matter out here, whether it's for pride or standing or literally just still being part of that competition. And the fact that they have so many different uh, tournaments or different kind of fixtures going on at once. You have the FA Cup, which is the oldest uh, football tournament in all of England. You have the Premier League, which is meaningful for what you're doing every single day. Uh, you have Manchester City and Liverpool also still in the Champions League uh, right now. So Man City and Liverpool are really tied at the hip everywhere. They played the FA Cup semifinal. The good guys came out ahead. Uh, you know, Man City was running away with the English Premier League and Liverpool is only a point behind them now. Uh, you know, Man City will still have to be the team to, uh, you know, blink again for Liverpool to make up ground. And those two teams are in the Champions League semifinals. So there's so much hype in so many different directions for all these teams. And it creates an interesting strategy, uh, you know, j- just to trying to figure out, you know, Man City and Liverpool played last Saturday. They played this Saturday and they played Champions League uh, during the week as well to advance to the semifinals. 
uh, you've got to deal with load management. You've got to deal with, you know, what game do you think is the most meaningful to your stars? And I think for a lot of people, it's probably Champions League, then maybe FA Cup, then maybe Premier League, but it's maybe the Premier League and FA Cup are in a We don't really have this at all in North America. And I'm always kind of fascinated that we like to paint ourselves as this hyper-capitalistic uh, society, especially more so on the Western side of the Atlantic than on the East. But boy, do we like to practice sports socialism by rewarding teams that finish so far down the standings for not putting their best foot forward and sometimes for actively tanking. I always find that very fascinating that, oh, yeah, no, there's nothing to be gained in just uh, riding out the rest of the season, at least on this side of the pond. It's a fascinating sport. And uh, the 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 English Football League um, has just become uh, just this 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 mega watched sport in the United States. All these games that you're referencing, they're all on in the United States. Now, nine times out of 10, they're on streaming services, but not all of them. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, in this compartmentalized sport, I'm sorry, you want to compare what's happening in the Premier League to the USFL? And I'm not here to bag on the USFL. And I know there are odds on those games, but the USFL compared to the English Premier League, you have to be joking. <laughs> yeah, so we, we actually did try uh, some odds for the USFL. I think there's like three-point conversions and other stuff like that you can do. So uh, the idea of, you know, key numbers in football has to really get thrown out a little bit. And, uh, you know, three and seven aren't worth as much as they were used to, at least uh, when compared to traditional American football like the NFL and college football. So, uh Candidly, we're still trying to figure it out, but it seems like from the little bit that I was able to uh, glean from highlights over the weekend, it seems like these coaches and these teams are still trying to figure out as well. So even, and this is, this is something that's a problem in any sport. If we as odds makers are able to figure out what optimal game theory should be and what teams should be doing. Well, that doesn't always mean that the coaches and players on the field have figured that out yet. Granted, USFL and all these different uh, scoring rules and different conversion types are still relatively new. So I'm not going to rake them over the coals just yet. But uh, if we're still seeing the in a few weeks or a month's time that we saw over the first weekend, uh, oof, oof. But hey, if you're a better and you can isolate that, uh, that's value town, baby. <laughs> now, optimal optimal game theory that's that's not the controversial political uh, fight that's going on in the united states right no no <laughs> it's, it's not optimal game theory that that's that's something taught totally different in school that's a, uh, is that crit- critical game theory <laughs> crit- critical game theory that's that's what they're called that's um, what they're the nba it. playoffs meanwhile are underway and you know i i, I look i just don't want to be known as somebody who harps on the the same old you know argument it's always new uh facts that come into to fruition i tuned into that phoenix suns new orleans pelicans matchup i i'm sorry man i they're 10 games under 500 in the west they're 10 <sighs> games under 500 i I'm, that's not competitive balance you know, the Miami Heat blew out the Atlanta Hawks 115 to 91 on. In, well, this is coming out Wednesday. The Miami Heat are such a favorite over the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are barely over 500. It's just your first round of your playoffs. Now I know why Adam Silver is so into this play in series. It's because it's the only chance he can get to get good matchups. 
Yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, I, I think uh, historically, Seth, uh, you and I have probably uh, both kind of crapped on the first round of the NBA playoffs uh, because uh listen if you generally speaking there are rare exceptions but if you are those seven or eight seeds that uh just creeped in or in the case this year of using the play in tournament to get in uh generally speaking you 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 don't belong there and in a seven game series as well listen it, the saint peter's peacocks uh, of march madness just passed uh, they, they can win a game they weren't they were not going to win a they absolutely were not going to win a series against kentucky even after winning that first game, if that was a best of seven series, Kentucky probably rolls off four straight. The way the NBA playoffs are set up with seven game series, it's incredible when you get to the end and you have legitimate heavyweights going blow for blow with each other. Uh, in the first round, uh, you're seeing a lot of games that you frankly don't need to even really be paying attention to. Uh, I, I remember I did note last week that uh, I was I kind of like this idea of the first overall seed uh, being able to choose their opponent for the opening round, just so you don't uh, end up with a scenario like opponents in the East with the Brooklyn Nets who had to do the play in turn to get in, but because of injury, because of vaccination status throughout the year, that team on paper is better than their seed going to the playoffs. And that's super tough for who they're up against. But uh, over in the West, uh, listen, the Suns were the best team in the West all year. If they get to play a team that's 10 games under 500, as you noted, uh, that's well-deserving for the Suns. It's not really good for fans who are tuning into that, but the Suns deserve an easy opponent for how consistently good they've been all year. The system's not perfect, but I do kind of like how that played out. The play-in games at least manufacture a little bit of extra interest going into the first round, but it is kind of a bit of a letdown after those play-in games for the most part. Uh, I, I've never been a big fan of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, you know, Once we get to the second round, Teams that are supposed to be in the playoffs are generally there now, and we're talking about some really meaningful basketball being played, but it's it's tough to uh, get too hyped up for it right now, especially if I'm in a part of the world where fans uh, will generally start throwing hands if their teams aren't performing. Well, that's just it. It, it. All I've said, you know, about the NBA is I just want the NBA playoffs to be entertaining. That's remember the two weeks ago we said that on this podcast, and right. it just give me that. Now, yeah, the Celtics Nets series has been good. The problem that you get is there's not enough of those. That, that's the anomaly, not the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's the whole thing. But these matchups are such and it looks like um, at least from a from an odds making standpoint, but also just from a, a basketball playoffs. It's like, wake me in two weeks when this is over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, hit the EA Sports, uh, you know, simulate to end uh, button, and uh, let's get to the second round. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Meanwhile, um, what about the idea that uh, the odds on these Blue Jays series uh, are different because of unvaccinated players? And we're talking three or four players on every team that are not going to Toronto because they're unvaccinated. I, I'm just amazed by the numbers of it. You know, the Kyrie Irving story and, you know, there were one or two hockey players. I know, uh, but, you know, they, 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 every once in a while, but my goodness, there are a lot of baseball players still unvaccinated. Yeah. Interesting uh, plot line that, uh, you know, COVID and it's, you know, this is like COVID adjacent now because it's vaccination status. Um yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I mean, and I was, I was like to really stress to point this out because, you know, some U S sports writers have given uh, Canada and the Canadian government a good deal of grief over this, uh, not realizing that it does work both ways. I mean, I need to have proof of vaccination 
to go to the United States for whatever. And so do all the players on the Toronto Raptors. So this isn't, uh, you know, and this is going to be the one time I defend Justin Trudeau, but this one is not Justin Trudeau's fault. This is back and forth between the Canada, Canada and U.S. border. Uh, yeah, it, it does create uh, some complications, uh, you know, probably more so or, or at least more emphatic when it comes to someone like Kyrie Irving. Uh, baseball is still a game that day to day, uh, the money lines are, are pretty short. They're pretty tight. It is the kind of sport where even if it's not always entertaining, you really do need those 162 games to bear out who should be in the playoffs or not. Um, looking at, uh, you know, the Red Sox right now and the players that will be missing. Yeah, that doesn't pack them, but you're talking about game to game, maybe an impact of one, one and a half percent on the expected money line output for either side. So over the course of 162 games, that does bear out uh, in terms of, you know, one upcoming series, not as bad, but, uh, but a curious wrinkle. And uh, I do wonder if it's something that, uh, listen, the New York City mayor made an exemption just for uh, so-called performers, right? Which is, listen, if the rules are either the rules or they're not. And if you're making exceptions just for performers, you really should make it for everyone or you shouldn't make it for those performers. Uh, well, but that's, that's the argument. The, the problem with New York is there are so many people who lost their jobs that don't make millions of dollars mm-hmm. um, that still can't go back to work, but yet Kyrie Irving can and, and Aaron Judge can. And, you know, we're just perceiving... We'll find out which which Yankees are unvaccinated, with. and those guys and have go to enough. Toronto. Exactly, and those guys have the you know. Listen, I sure it, it's could be a little bit tough for them, but those guys can sit and wait a little bit to see if society goes in the other direction. Someone who's paycheck to paycheck doesn't have that luxury to be like, ah, you know what? I'll wait till the oh, rules change. Uh, they they had to go and do their thing if they wanted to be able to continue to put bread on the table and. Uh, so the fact that, uh, you know, you caved on the athlete side first before the general public who didn't have that luxury to do so, uh, candidly for me, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You know, it's so funny because we, we always talk about, you know, keys to, to, to being a good gambler. Uh, and when you want to play smart, follow the insiders on social media, especially Twitter. Mm-hmm. And yet, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, what happens to the sports world if he shuts the whole thing down? I thought about it. I, I wondered what it would be like to wake up and not have Twitter anymore. Oh, my God, Seth. I, you know, I, I think it would be simultaneously one of the best and worst days for me. It's, uh, I, I often refer to it as a hell site, uh, but a hell site that I could not live without. And so much of what my day-to-day is... You know, I, I love using the, the tweet deck version where you can just create so many different lists uh, around politics, around breaking news and injuries, uh, even just the weather, uh, crypto stuff, if you're so inclined. And Twitter and tweet deck allows you to cultivate all that information in a way that, yeah, you don't just have to throw on the cable news and wait for them to hopefully talk about that story. Any The way you want to consume your information and news is so better. There, there's no better way to uh, digest that. Then on Twitter.com, on TweetDeck, on the app, uh, I, I would I would hope that uh, if Elon was, is able to successfully purchase it, that uh, he would not interfere with that. But I mean, hey, listen, uh, whether it's uh, Dogecoin, whether it's Tesla, whether it's almost anything that guy does, uh, he's a massive troll. 
Uh, he has a good deal of fun with this. Uh, depending on the topic, sometimes I'm laughing with him. Sometimes I'm laughing nervously and hoping that he's not serious. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just hope Twitter that I know it isn't. Uh, listen, as long as I can still get my Shams updates, my Wodge bombs, my uh, Schefter updates, especially as we head into the NFL draft. And this is really kind of the, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news uh, kind of year where teams are leaking so much garbage out there. But we have to be aware of the garbage we have to be aware of the whispers and the rumors uh twitter has just become such a massive part of my job but uh, even outside of my job uh I, I use it all the time it's a tab that's open on my browser it's on my phone it's i i i, I not just me i think a lot of people would struggle to do what they're doing not just in sports betting but in so many other aspects of their life without it uh but you know what maybe they'd get a little bit more vitamin d and sunlight too well, you know, the funny part about, you know, all of it with with, you know, things we take for granted, um, you know, having Twitter and, and having it exist, it, you know, it doesn't have to be the train wreck that it is. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, this podcast does not endorse burner accounts, but oh, my God, have a burner account. Absolutely. Um, but the idea that you can you can um you know, be able to get information and that editors tell uh, reporters tweet before you write. I mean, that's, that's how this is. That's how that, that whole thing evolved. Um, it, it's like the Reddit message boards where someone would just first in the comments, you know, I, I want to be the first person to reply, but now it's the first person to, and you, you see it at a press conference, everyone else. It's a race to who can get that information out first. So once it's tweeted out, then it's going to get the most interaction. It's going to get the most retweets and faves and, uh, to the extent that any of that stuff matters, I'm not entirely sure, but because uh, the attitude is as such, and it, it clearly matters to some degree, um, but yeah, it's, it's actionable information. And I mean, if Shams is getting it out first or Wadge is getting it out first or Schefter's getting it out first, uh, that's going to be the kind of thing that you're going to follow them for something not related to that stuff. So if they want to promote any other content, uh, you're going to be looking at them before you look at anybody else. So I, I, I get it. It is... Uh, and this is kind of a morbid thought as well, but like even when like a, something terrible is happening in the world, following it on Twitter, you're getting the updates in a way that you just can't get anywhere else. Uh, and, and not even, you know, something terrible in the world, but like if there's natural disaster or if there's an election in a country that you care about, if there's an uprising, uh, you know, Arab Spring uh, in the Middle East, uh, following that on Twitter, having people on the ground upload live videos of what was happening while real meaningful change in the world was occurring. Uh, you don't get that anywhere. You might get a highlight of that on CNN or Fox or MSNBC later, whatever your flavor is. But the ability to digest, but also react alongside the world in real time to global events, uh, it's unmatched. It's it's the worst platform and the best platform. Well, and, and there was a great debate in sports media because uh, Adam uh, Schefter and uh, Adrian Wojnowski, I, I never say his name correctly. That's why I just say watch too. <laughs> right. Um, signed with ESPN for like these massive, massive contracts. Yeah. And what I don't understand is ESPN does not profit from their Twitter accounts. And to be honest, I don't understand the motivation for ESPN to have and Adam Schefter to pay that much for Adam Schefter. When Adam Schefter has news, what does he do first? He tweets. That's his Twitter account. That's not ESPN's Twitter account. I that I do not understand. The same thing with Woj. Um, 
I, I look, I'm not begrudging anybody for making money. I, I know Schefter a little bit. He seems like a good guy. I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, disparage somebody from making money. What I don't understand is he got paid because he has a lot of followers on Twitter. Mm. I, I that, that didn't that didn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't understand the motivation for the network. I, I, again, if Adam Schefter all of a sudden signs with Fox, what changes about the way he tweets? Nothing. I, I, yeah, no. I, I mean, the content is exactly the same. Uh, I, I listen. I and I, I, I get it from a from the face value dollars and cents. Uh, I, I don't see how it works. I, I don't know if networks are just valuing this ability to have credibility. I don't know if there's a version of, you know, yeah, he tweets, but then thirty seconds later, if it is NFL Sunday, Schefter can be talking about it in studio faster, perhaps. Then, right, but, uh, but the only thing ESPN makes money on is after he goes on ESPN, not right. because of his Twitter. No, but I mean, it, it can't, can't he do a version of both where he's tweeting out and he's beating everyone? You're absolutely right. ESPN's not getting anything from that. But if it's an NFL Sunday and he's in the studio and they come back from commercial break, uh, ESPN will still be best positioned to now talk about that story, which he has access to right. in the studio. But you're right. If it's something that's, uh, you know, 3 p.m. on a Wednesday and it's uh, July. Um, yeah, it's a tweet and it's not Schefter uh, running in, in front of a camera so that ESPN can, you know, monetize that content. But right. He uh, doesn't say breaking Cowboys news. Find me on ESPN. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There's because getting because if he does that, someone else is someone else will get on what that news. Right. Yeah. It's I, I don't know if it's a credibility thing. And, you know, sometimes it's uh that that is worth enough to say, oh yes, we are the home of the people breaking this kind of news. Um, I don't, I don't know. I and I, I think about that a lot with the recent Twitter activity and Elon Musk, just because uh, he offered um, outstanding shareholders and the board, I think, like thirty eight percent over current market value to sell, so that he could take the company private and ostensibly, if you believe anything the guy says, uh, make it a free speech bastion. And uh, it was turned down across the board. And now Twitter, the Twitter board is looking at some poison pills. So I think there's something to be said for the people that are involved in Twitter in uh, just what the access and what the control and power of owning Twitter is worth relative to the dollar and cents. Because do if it was purely dollar and cents, they absolutely would have taken 38% above current market rate for those shares. But the fact that they don't want to relinquish that kind of control or that kind of credibility or the power of being attached to Twitter uh, that, that would have to be the only reason you would turn that down. Right. Right. As so he, are they saying and that, that's that's the question. Are they saying that they believe that Twitter is that important in the social consciousness? I, I, I without saying it, I think they absolutely are. I think they I think that's, they but that's wrong. I, it, it is. But it, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm maybe the worst person to ask about this. because, like it's I Narcissism said, at its worst. That's all it is. But it's it's where uh, you know uh, it, it's the global town square for almost any topic, right? Um, you know, listen, the Ayatollah is on Twitter.com tweeting well, out the Pope, uh, right? It, it, exactly, and it's it's out there and they're I part think of the it's really the Pope. Do you think he's sitting there with an iPhone just going hashtag? You like you think he does it or somebody <laughs> does it for him? I, you know what, uh, the current Pope, uh, he's got kind of like a badass kind of like, you know, he rides a motorcycle, he goes into town, you know, under undercover sometimes to, you know, play music. And listen, that maybe not so much these days as much as he would like, but 
Uh, I would say, listen, I, I, the previous Pope, Benedict, uh, the one with the problematic uh, German past, yeah, he probably wasn't on Twitter.com. He was a very old conservative guy. Uh, the, the recent Pope, Francis, a little bit more likely, but I'm, I'm still probably trending towards no. Most politicians don't do their own tweets. Uh, I'd be stunned if uh, a senior citizen Pope was out doing it. But, uh, it, you know, listen, maybe it's, uh, what's the old uh, phrase? Uh, dictated, but not read. Probably some level of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so there's no odds on whether or not Elon eventually gets Twitter. Uh, so we we do have uh, just the one up there. We do have it as an underdog right now. Uh, he is three to one to successfully purchase it, just because uh, the initial reaction from the Twitter board and uh, really from society at large uh, has just kind of been well. The Twitter board specifically, uh, they introduced poison pills. They are clearly maneuvering to not give up this control and let it be a private company. Uh, but uh, curiously, yeah, just just watching the cable news, the extent that I do, and I try not to watch it ever because it turns your brain to mush. But there does really seem to be this kind of uh, outrage against him potentially making this purchase. So uh, I, I just don't see how he overcomes it uh, right now unless he can get enough, uh, you know, partners to help, uh, you know, overcome this poison pill, or unless he can convince uh, the shareholders to sue the members of the board if they feel that uh, they're not doing their fiduciary responsibility by accepting 38% over. Uh, I, I think there's too much to stop them. I, I do I do candidly believe in Twitter being a global town square that is more valuable than it actually than its stock price actually is. Because uh, if it wasn't, I think they would accept uh, his offer. I think the powers that be realize uh, by owning Twitter or owning as much of Twitter as they do, uh, you know, just the kind of power they hold if it's not even just that you know it's also the algorithms as well knowing what the public is thinking knowing what the public's talking about the trending topics uh you know facebook isn't uh, valuable because uh i'm looking at you know my uh, my high school crushes photos and seeing if she's still cute in 2022 it's valuable because of whatever i'm doing there you say that i'm so part of the quickly, product you say that like <laughs> you 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 did that recently that's interesting uh, I know, and I'm getting some side eye from the missus across the room right now. Uh, we're going to have some interesting breakfast conversation after this, but uh, no, but like you are, like, Twitter.com is free. Facebook is free uh, because we're the product, right? Um, what uh, Whoever owns that product and has uh, the insights into how we interact with that product, uh, that's super valuable. It's, it's not uh, so much just the pure advertising. It's uh, the literal profiles they're able to create. Uh, which is why, like you said, it's good to have a burner account. <laughs> Always, if there's, if you learn one thing from this uh, this podcast, it, it let it be that. Uh, yep. It's always good to have a burner account. All right, that'll do it for the uh, at odds podcast. Again, enjoy the NBA playoffs. Uh, enjoy the Premier League. Enjoy uh, enjoy London, my friend. Absolutely, weather is good. Liverpool is on top. Uh, can't ask for anything more. Have a great week, everyone. Yep, he's gonna hit Penny Lane right after this. That's uh, right. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Take care, folks.